0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Psalm Session. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2021. Hey, uh, it's Miles, and joining me right over there is my main man.
1: Hey, it's Brent here. It's nice I can actually see you, because we're, yeah. we're, we're Zooming this episode. So We're, we're... Zooming.
0: We're trying to... It's yeah. weird seeing you. Like, you're yeah. a little... It's like Max Headroom. Oh, oh yeah. I'm dating myself on that one. Careful. Careful, <laughs> Max Headroom. You know, I've got a, an autograph by Matt Frewer, who played Max Headroom.
1: It's there you behind go. me
0: somewhere. It's, uh, yeah. I love that guy. Anyway, yeah. uh, Happy New Year, Brent.
1: Yeah, you too. You too. You know, it's uh, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. I just felt compelled <laughs> to say that.
0: Yeah, you, you know what, too? I was, uh, I, was, I was excited for New Year, like at one point for New Year's Eve and everything, because I'm not, like, usually I'm uh, in bed by... Eight thirty kind of guy. Yeah. That might be an exaggeration, but around there. Um, and last year, uh, you know, I, I missed out on the, uh, new year's festivities cause I was really sick, like really sick. I was not feeling well at all. So I was like, I've got a whole year to build up and get ready for the new new year's party. It's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, COVID it's over.
1: There was yeah. None. Yeah.
0: We, uh, we actually, we ended up watching the, um, kiss live from Dubai. And I'm like, I like Kiss, um, but it was hard at times
1: to watch. I can see the look on your face. I I know where this (laughs) is going. I'm (laughs) dancing
0: around for the right words. It was hard to watch. There's a few times like Paul Stanley is um, like, they're all very gifted musicians. But Paul Stanley as a front man, like he kind of sounds just like a really old dude who? Well, he is a really old dude. We looked it up. The members of KISS are 69 to 75 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Peter Chris is 75 years old. But like Paul Stanley would come out and he's like, Hello, everybody. Do you want to hear the music? Like it was, it was like, I'm, I'm nailing it. Like that was his <laughs> voice. And at one point he's like, Do you want me to come out and see you guys and we'll do the music? Yeah, no. And he kept calling it dumb music. And I'm like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. But yeah. it was a cool show.
1: It was it's a cool. bit of a New Yorker accent there. Kiss is, is always, for me, been one of those bands that, you know, I, I struggle like you do to how do you kind of say it in the nicest way? I mean, to me, I think the legacy that they will have, the persona that they have, the business that is Kiss is undeniable. Yeah. Ma- massive success possibly bigger than any other band ever, but the, the their music for me has just, you know, the, they've got a handful of songs that I can get into, but they've just never really punched yeah. me in the stomach. No, you know? I'm,
0: I'm the same way. I'm the same yeah. way. So did you, did you get up to anything for new year's, like just a family deal or just
1: what? a good old, you know, family, uh, house party. And we, we did actually flip over to, um, watch the old Times square uh, ball drop yeah. there at midnight. it's kind of a thing that we like, we like to do, but I have to say it's pretty strange having watched it in past years and now seeing, you know, essentially uh, an empty lockdown Times square. It just, yeah. it was, it was kind of, you know, bittersweet, right?
0: Yeah, and, it, was, it was weird. And uh, so are you a, are you a new year? Is it new new years or is it new year? like I think when it's you, new
1: years plural year-za.
0: yeah so are you a new years resolution kind of guy uh,
1: yes and no um i would say resolution wise i mean i i think it's an opportunity to uh examine all the horrible things that you did in the last 12 months <laughs> and maybe resolve to try and change something for the better but i'm not like a you know, my new year's resolution is I'm going to start going to the gym, you know, like yeah. I, you know, that that kind of thing is pointless because we all know that a week and a half into January, it all falls by the wayside. Yeah, no one
0: doesn't. No one yeah. doesn't. And no. like the gym one is funny. Like I, I go to the gym often. I don't anymore. Cause there are no gyms right now, but uh, January is like the worst time for people that just regularly go to the gym because it's suddenly overwhelmed with people yeah. who they themselves are overwhelmed. And you know, the gym is a funny thing because you never really know, like, should I walk up to that person and be like, hey, you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> would you yeah. like some help? Yeah. Because most people are like, no, leave me alone. Don't look at me. You know, but the gym. Paul is Stanley's so, in your gym. He is. He is. Uh, <laughs> would you like to lift weights now? That's I right. some help. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, but, uh, you know, but good on people. And I love the people that they make those resolutions and they stick to them. I don't I don't. I can't. You know, like I, I know over the years I've been like, oh, I'm going to eat better and I'm going to drink less and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to walk the dog every three hours like Brent does. But yeah. I don't. I don't. It's it's just pointless to, you know, make this contract with yourself that you're never going to keep. Never. They don't.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think for me, uh, you know, a resolution should not necessarily be tied to the calendar flipping over to a brand new year. I mean, I I understand why that's done. Um, It's pretty commercialized. I just think if you, if you want to do something or you've always had a, you know, on my to do list thing, why are you waiting for January 1st? Just do it. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You know you, so we, we mentioned yesteryear. I want to go back a couple of yesteryears to a story that I love to tell on this show. It was 2019 <laughs> i'm weeping already <laughs> <laughs> it was 2019 the crowd was there the stage was set the burlington sound of music festival headliner was taking the stage ladies and gentlemen joining us right now by zoom please welcome jordan benjamin better known as grandson
2: welcome jordan Man, thank you guys for having me. I'm so grateful to be in the the hall of alumni of Santa Music Festival. So whenever, whenever I get that, that logo in my inbox, like, please have oh, I love beat. that. We're, you
0: shouldn't say that, though, because we will use that to our advantage every possible opportunity. Let's yes. go. Let's <laughs> Look, go. Let's God, do I'm, it. I'm, Brent Brent rolls his eyes at me when I tell this story because I've actually told this story about your 2019 show uh, about 100 times, and half of those have been on this show. To me, and I always have to be respectful to the other 168 artists that we had at the festival, Ah, I uh, so I was standing uh, right next to the stage when you came out and you did Bloodwater, uh, and, you know, where it just drops at the end of the tune, and I turned... And I, st- I stopped watching you, and I turned, and I looked at the crowd, and we had a record crowd that night, and they lost their shit. Like, it was amazing. The energy was through the roof, they were going absolutely insane. Uh, and it, to me, like, uh, it was the highlight of the festival.
2: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I mean, that's not to discredit the ABBA cover band that you guys have yeah, every well. single <laughs> festival, but... But Man, was like, I, that was fun. It was uh it, w- it feels like a distant memory now, but but I get, you know, very grateful to get a lot of love in the GTA and like uh yeah, it's always a good time. Free festival gives kids an opportunity who might not otherwise be able to get, you know, have a front row show and uh yeah, it's uh that year in particular, we were doing a lot of tour. I probably played over a 100 shows that year and uh it I You know, it's such a it's such a whirlwind, such a merry-go-round. You're just getting on planes. You don't know what time zone you're in or anything. But when you look up and you're back home, there's it's really a special feeling. I had my Raptors jersey on. I was uh, that trip in particular for me was really grounding in the midst of of the craziest tour cycle that I've had, at least as far so. Man, I, I have good memory. I just can't wait to get back to the waterfront. You know? Absolutely. So, one day I mean, time. you know?
0: So we did have you back in well, kind of virtually for the 2020 Summit Home Artist series. Uh and, and that was really cool, you know. It 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 was actually it was a great recording that you did. It was a great live kind of was that like in your backyard? That-
2: <laughs> so that was actually in my buddy's backyard who um uh it was actually who helped engineer it and everything. But but you know, those little opportunities, they give me the chance to Call the band back up, you know, and call my guitarist and go, hey, we got a gig again, you know. So those little virtual things, it's it's been an adjustment for me and for every artist to lose that. Um, it's just it's just a different dimension with which to connect in. Usually there's a balance of this real world person to person, transaction you know, autographs at the merch table and there is connecting online and seeing your social media grow and seeing your YouTube play, Spotify, what what have you. Um, and I think that this has only just accelerated this inevitable, um, leaning. We we are more reliant on this, this virtual side of things than ever, but uh, there will never be anything that, that takes away that feeling of being there of these big fat speakers hitting you. There's, there's nothing like that, but, um, this year in particular, any opportunity to pay the band, to bring the guys back together, to be talking like, you know, this is what we, am I allowed to curse on? This is what we fucking do. You know, like, this is (laughs) what we do. We put on shows. We try to give people a good time. And, uh, as challenging as this year is, that's still what we do. So any opportunity to like reconnect with that, it's just, it does wonders for my mental health and hopefully for the kids that we're watching, you know, hopefully it's not just us, you know, enjoying it, but, but that it gives some other people the break from, from the madness on their phones and they can tune out for an hour.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, let, let's jump into the meat and potatoes here. So I want to go back to 2018 and, uh, well, I guess 2018 and 2019. So uh, a modern tragedy uh, volume one, volume two, volume three. So 2018 and two releases in 2019. So walk us through this trilogy and kind of the voice or the lens that you were looking through, through each of those. And how was that progression for you?
2: Um, yeah, so I think that my... Uh, initial game plan, which we had from the very onset of grandson was let's ramp up into an album. You don't have anyone paying attention yet. Um, I'm still figuring out what the sound is. I had a, I had a a destination in mind and I wanted to use the first couple of years of my career to work towards it. So that was for me really dialing in the intersection of, um, the genres of music I wanted to cover and the topics I wanted to cover, you know, for me, that was electronic music, hip hop and rock and roll. I wanted to find where can I put my footprint that that feels like I'm paying homage to all of them, not ripping anyone else off, doing my own thing. How do I find my own sound? And then also, where do I find the intersection of of talking about social issues that are important to me and to my generation, while also not um, pigeonholing myself and being defined by them. Can I write songs that are timeless in the, you know, in the footsteps of of great Canadian songwriters, while also um, when you put this on, it takes you to the place in time that I am going through it and writing this from. So the plan was always we're going to do a couple songs here and there. We're going to then do, you know, an EP which in my mind is just like it's just the order of platter going through at the beginning of the party, you know? It's like we're just coming through with some samples here, have a little snack, get comfy um before the main course was served. So that was kind of always the idea and you know when we released Bloodwater, it's always funny, you know, if I had known that that song had the legs that it would have we might not have even put it out at that time. You know, we might have gone, oh, you got to have a plan in place. We got to have this. We got to have that. But um, it just goes to show, like, you can have the the greatest minds in music all having an opinion. And you just never know what that thing is going to be. So that was a song I wrote. I had just gotten dropped from a label. Um, I had just gotten dropped from Sony. And I was kind of struggling to find my identity. And started working with a new producer, a new guy who's actually still in Toronto by the name of Chester Krupa. And he sent uh, you know, we sent him the lyrics and the melodies for Bloodwater. He sends back like the song, you know. We're like, wow, this is this is something. It might be a little kitschy, might be a little too on the electronic side. Let's put it out and see what happens. And uh it really just it just kickstarted the whole thing. So a couple months later, we were able to find a better fit. Um and we we re-released it with with a collection of other songs. did a couple more versions, you know, um with each one exploring different themes, different sounds and and most importantly, just toured. just played a shit ton of, of concerts for people for twenty people in a room, for five thousand people in a room. We were just like, put me in front of people and and let's let's take this concept on the road and see if people dig it. and uh, and and here we are now, like, damn, two years later, three years later love
1: it love you know uh talking about blood water and you know the experience of being uh, on stage and in front of the crowd um june 9 2019 you headlined our festival you had just won a socan award a songwriting prize for that song um was there a moment in there somewhere where something clicked and you went yeah we've taken a we've taken a jump I, I've taken the next step in in my career you know you you're talking earlier about how you kind of had this vision and had things planned out Did how much did those events impact the trajectory that, that you mm-hmm. wanted
2: to- yeah that was a great you know exclamation point you know that moment, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough and that's the power of the internet that this song has had a couple moments like that, where, you know, that might've been the peak of that song in, in, in June, 2019, the song came out in October, 2017. So, you know, you, you spend a year and a half, um, watching this thing kind of grow and then plateau and then grow and plateau. So, um, I remember that moment definitely feeling like, and there's nowhere else I can get that other than Canada because that's where I grew up. That was where I really found my sound, found found the artists I wanted to to emulate and look up to. So to get that kind of love back home, it definitely reinforced, uh, yeah, I think we have something here. But, you know, as an issue for me, you know, I, I talk about mental health a lot in my in my songs. A lot of those moments for me when I look back are um as much moments to celebrate as oh shit. You know, for me that gets met with this wave of, you know, how am I gonna do this again? Number one. Number two, um, you know, like am I living up to, you know, writing a song that is very political, that is driven and and trying to be this kind of anthem for activism and for, for, for justice in some ways, you know, am I, am I a couple of years in, you know, um, walking in these, these big footsteps that I printed out for myself. So, uh, it was, it's a, it's such a whirlwind. I just remember so much of that. One, one side of me being like, Oh man, now I got to even go harder. I got to live up to this somehow. Um, which I think is still in my mind, but I've done a lot of work to make peace with. You know, the path is the path. All you can do is your best, and and if Bloodwater has brought in all these people into my life, uh, you know, who are you going to obsess over? The people that didn't even show up, or the people in the front row. And so the past year, my life has been not worrying so much about having another moment like that, and just being grateful that that one's happened, and that I now have some people that are a part of this community that are coming to the shows that feel represented and and heard. And now the fun part begins of, well, well, how can I give more to them? What was the plan? Was the plan always just be the biggest artist in the world? Because, you know, you'll spend your whole life chasing ghosts. I'll spend my whole life trying trying to have another one and forget to enjoy just having one. So... That time, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be honest if I just said, Oh, yeah, that was amazing. That felt like, you know, I was just walking on sunshine, because I was very, very anxious as well about, you know, what next. Now, when I look back, I feel I'm very grateful and proud of it. And, uh, and a little part of me wishes that I was a little more present in it and just 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 soaked it up a little bit more because I was so anxious about, you know, just trying to trying to do it all over again.
0: And and that tune, like that track, if you look at Spotify and Apple Music and all of the major streaming, like you've had over six hundred million streams of that tune. Yeah, so
2: crazy! Like, congratulations, first. Thank you. I was an intern at Virgin Radio in grade eleven, and at Young and Saint Clair. Like, I, this wasn't in the in the game plan for me or for anyone around me. I promise you that. So. Uh, yeah it, it's really cool and and now we got an album out and you know you just keep it just the, you just keep doing it hopefully and again we had you know i haven't even been able to announce but you know in 2020 we had we had accomplished uh we had gotten a certain um distance without ever really getting that you know of stadium opening slot without really getting the full support of, of radio behind it. There, there are these big institutions that are part of a rock and roll band's journey that I hadn't even really um, gotten that boost from yet that we were looking forward to taking another step, you know, and then the pandemic hit and, uh, on one hand, you're going well, that's cool. I'm just going to put it in cruise control and wait until, you know, hopefully summer 2020 became fall 2020 became summer 2021. And then we'll get back to it and we'll get back on the road and I'll open for this band and that band and I'll get, but at the same time, like this is the only moment that is, you know, I can't take this moment for granted just sitting around waiting to get back to things. So I think that that's really been a big part of, um, You know, that's how I found myself um, doing more of a concept album. It's how I found myself exploring different themes and topics and and being more performative in the music videos. Um, Just looking for ways in this moment to to keep growing as an artist and keep growing with with my fans uh, instead of just like sitting around waiting for this moment that who knows when that'll be. But uh, but yeah, I'm really grateful, man. Thank you.
0: And let's talk about your fans that uh, affectionately referred to as the grandkids, which I love that. That's such a great, but like, okay, if you look at, if you look at your social media, you look at your online presence, you know, you've got over 6 million monthly listeners on Spotify alone. Your socials combined, you have like a million grandkids that are looking at you and they're looking up to you. And, you know, here we are, especially during this pandemic, we are in the digital age and the way that people are reaching out and the messages they're looking for, it's all so readily available. So, you know, you kind of touched on it. The, the content that you, that you sing about and that you write about, uh, it can get very heavy and it can get very deep. Um, do you find that given uh, that, you know, you are of the generation of the digital age, do you find that these people are looking to you for that message? And do you feel that pressure to deliver it?
2: Mm-hmm. to some degree absolutely you know i try as a as a coping mechanism to not overthink it too much and not not put my not put too much consequence on it um you know when you think about okay here's this song blood water it's on nhl 19 or whatever it's in it's you know it's in the, the toronto fc's op- opening running onto the pitch playlist is that going to be your relationship to this project um, and if so, how deep is that going to go versus if I'm using my platform to talk about, you know, um, that there's no revolution too small. It doesn't matter whether you're starting your high school fan club or you're running for, you know, uh, a, a position in government. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are, um, just here living and standing for what you believe in that they're in You are doing the work. You are part of this thing that's bigger than yourself. Once I start connecting with those themes, it it builds such a deeper relationship between me and the audience. And the most important thing that I've always sought to to better understand, and I'm still far from where I think it can go, is the power is not um, an audience member connecting with me. The power is in an audience member connecting with their best friend, with me just being the conduit. You know, if people can meet their wife, meet their best friend, like if you can connect at at if you can come to a grandson concert and and feel those points of connection, when you look around the room and go, holy shit, these people all believe what I believe. You know, especially when I take this thing to um, parts of Canada, parts of America where these sorts of ideologies that I'm preaching might not always be what your parents what your pastor or what your teacher might um tell you is acceptable then what this thing becomes is so much bigger than than a concert so much bigger than than a guitar riff and so those things are really important to me they've always been because otherwise I'm just another kid like vying for people's attention and how how far is that going to take me in life at a certain point i'm going to have a midlife crisis again and realize all i cared about was everyone liking me and i don't even know these fucking people so for me it's like can i just make it about can the audience have their own ideas their own belief systems reflected back at them there are I also hope that there are people that disagree with me that can still enjoy it on whatever level they want to. you know, I'm not trying to discriminate against people that that are further on the the right than I might be or, or whatever, but um, you know, you go uh, such a big part of it was playing. Con answers for me. I would, I, you know because I grew up in Toronto a progressive family, my family you know my my older siblings are in spaces of activism, they they donate their time, their money. We, our conversations at the dinner table were about what's going on around the world and um I took that for granted. You know, I took that for granted for a long time. Um you know, I was a delinquent in high school, getting into trouble, doing dumb shit like we all do, you know, and I would I, I remember getting caught one time like shoplifting in Montreal and I was 17, white kid, you know, pouted a little bit and they called my mom instead of calling the cops. And you know, there are so many little ways in which I've been so so lucky, so privileged to to walk through life and all of a sudden be looking up and have the microphone. And um I just want to give other people that sense of um freedom, that sense of um, you know, support because I got it When I would wake up in the morning and just go downstairs to have my orange juice with my mom, and and I know a lot of people don't don't get that, so that that was where a lot of my activism comes from, and that's where the um a lot of my intention is when it comes to using social media, you know, whether it's doing interviews, podcasts, stuff, any way that I'm connecting with fans. this month, this year alone, I'm, we're doing a live stream every single Sunday of 2021 on my YouTube, doesn't matter who you are, come hang out, make some friends in the comment section. That's what this is all about. Can I build community and can can the music really just be the soundtrack for your life instead of uh, just hoping to have another song that, you know, gets a ton of love in, in movie trailers and stuff. That's cool. That's cool.
1: Let's uh, let's talk about uh, the the live performance. So, it, for anyone who's seen you perform live, um, we know this about you: your approach to the stage is very physical. Uh, it's almost like you inhabit the domain of the stage for the for the time of of your set. How do you balance the delivery of the music and the message in your music with the visual show?
2: Mm, man, I, again all all works in progress my manager used to come to shows and go dude will you shut up in between songs because i was just trying to make them all like a stump speech you know like i was just so fired up and i'm talking about oh man the policies that are going and he was like man just people want to rock out man so it, <laughs> it is really hard to find the balance and um we always try to fill a bigger space. You know, I've never made any money on shows because it's always been about anything that I get back in. I'm using it as an audition for the Air Canada Center. That's that's how I've always looked at it. You know, we try and bring more, you know, of the most competent people in the world to surround me. First and foremost, it's about having a great band behind me. Ramon Blanco on guitar, David Raymond on drums, Renzo Bravo on the bass. You know, having a tight team. Um, I think that those things really come through when when shit inevitably goes wrong, having the trust that somebody's on it. Um, and, and yeah, trying to figure out the visuals, trying to dial in. I used to love electronic music and it's, uh, you know, I think it gets a bad rap. This like, uh, the, the, the culture of electronic music, there's certainly, it has its flaws, but, but you know, the ways in which a DJ stand and people go, oh, he's just up there pressing a button. But if you go and feel that and you see the visuals, you feel the bass, like it is a badass experience. And so I want to give a bit of that. I don't find live bands particularly dynamic if the only visuals are, you know, one camera on the lead singer moving around and and some fog and lights. Like I want it to be um dynamic. I want there to be graphic effects i want it to feel like an action movie playing out um and and trying to with every single part of it be thoughtful what do i want people to leave with it all comes back to i want you to be fired up i want you to go take on that bully that boogeyman under your bed what is it is it is it you like is it your own um mental health is it someone else that's telling you you can't be shit like who is it in your life and and i want to use the the visuals to make people walk away feeling a little bit more ready to face those challenges um it's expensive <laughs> like bringing the the trailer and the u-haul on tour it it there are times where i'm like man it would be nice if i just went on stage like ed sheeran with my little acoustic guitar and played to wembley stadium but um this this project is just it's dynamic we try and take a little bit from electronic music a little bit from a rock show hype up the crowd like an MC, the way a hip-hop show is and and um we're not going to get it right all the time sometimes you know you don't even know what city you're in you're just trying to to, sometimes you're treading water and sometimes you're michael phelps but um but there's always intention there for sure
0: well you you won me over I'll admit flat out that I have never
2: Oh, been- Miles. Thank you. <laughs>
0: hey, I've uh, I've never been an electronic music guy. I've never been a rap guy, uh, and and then grandson came around, and uh, I want to talk about Death of an Optimist. I've it's funny, you know. I've listened to this album probably three times now, top to bottom, and Amazing. I realized uh, the first two times, like I I see the story that you're telling through this album, uh, but the third time I had it on random. And it, it becomes chaos on random a happy, <laughs> yeah. awesome kind of chaos because the linear story that you're telling isn't told in the same way anymore. So it was kind of cool. It was like a new, new experience of it. So, you know, my understanding of this album is that you are telling a story with two voices. So why don't you walk us through this album and, and what was going on with you when you made this?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And thank you for taking the time to, to, to sit with it. You know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, make this right choice in your life, you know, do this thing that you've been holding off on doing. Um, and I still wanted to expand on that theme. You know, I wanted to stay on the the end goal, firing people up, getting you ready to take on that thing in your life. Okay, well, how do we get there? And how do I tell it in a way that's not redundant, recycling, just doing a bunch of, you know, big, angry buildups and drops, you know, and so... It became well within that is a choice. There's the choice to do what's comfortable, do what you know, not rock the boat too much as it relates to your life, as it relates to authority figures in your life. Um, I certainly have people that I grew up with that have elected to go that route. You know, I have a lot of people around me that I grew up with that that have elected to take the path of least resistance. And then there's this other thing that's a little less well known. It's uh it's scary, it's hard, it's lonely. Um, but, but you can rest easy knowing that at least your heart was, it was in it, was in, was in, and that's a a scalable concept. Again, it, it could be a political thing. It could be, you know, taking on an abusive relationship. Um, but anyways so in that dilemma of, do I take this path or this path? I wanted to write the whole album. Some, some songs are leaning you down this road, telling you it's all going to be okay. You know, now is the time, just jump. And then there's this other side that's like, you are going to fall flat on your face. This will all be for nothing. Like you never should have left your bed this morning. And so I wanted to personify those two voices that I have in my head, certainly. Um, and so we, I introduced this character uh, who goes by the name of X. And uh, it was just between grandson as this character that anyone can be. You know, you put on that jacket, you, you put on these songs and do your air guitar solo. I'm not grandson, your grandson now. And in that bully, in that antagonist in your life, you can have this other character. And so I wanted to walk, um, I wanted to walk people through making that right choice in their life, but not glossing over. It is going to be hard. It will be lonely at times. You will take one step backward and take two steps forward, and and I just really wanted to kind of um, do it in a way that was exciting for me. You know, I didn't want to just do the same thing over and over again. I don't think I'll ever be an artist that people can can say that about. Was my label stoked when I told them um, my debut album is a 12-song concept album? They were a little apprehensive maybe at first but, um, you know, we still tried to make sure that there was some, some songs in there that people could connect with and that hopefully you don't need to dive in as deep as I dive everything that I do, um, to be able to enjoy it. And, uh, the lead single dirty is a little lighter than a lot of the other stuff I've done. Um, it, it draws on influence like outcast. It just brings a little bit like of soul, like Amy Winehouse or something into what I do. And, uh, i've been really lucky to get some love with it particularly in canada it's it's doing really well on on radio and shit so um it's been cool it it came out about a month about a month ago and um you know in 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 normal circumstances we'd be gearing up for the death of an optimist tour and doing all kinds of crazy shit and hopefully that's in nine months you know that's all you can hope. yeah
1: uh motivation um activism bullying mental health you know the, these are all pretty heavy topics pretty pretty heavy subjects uh the, the politics of the world um when you're off the stage and you're not in front of your audience and you're thinking about these things what do you think that you want to be remembered for what, what do you hope hmm. is your is your legacy and and I, and I mean truly you know not, flashing lights, bing, bam, boom, I'm on the stage sharing this. When you're having your quiet moment alone and you say, you know, all of these things that I've got going on and these messages I want to share, what what do you hope most you're
2: remembered for in the end? Yeah, that's a fucking heavy question, man. <laughs> I think that, you know, as far as like, I these are big things and they're not going anywhere. They're certainly not going anywhere when I'm doing these fundraisers you know, raising 2,500 bucks for, for bullying, that's not going to eradicate bullying from the world. So I think, uh, I think it's about adjusting my, my goal isn't necessarily to, you know, change the, the world as much as it is to, um, for those people that needed to hear it, to make sure that they feel represented so that when I'm not in the room, somebody can go, that shit really was there for me when I needed it most. And I'm already getting to experience that, you know, that's, that's the beautiful, confusing part of, you know, I've been doing this now three, four years and some kids found my first song in grade nine and they're about to graduate from university. You know, like kids are already going off in their path and, and, uh, and you have kids as, uh, you know, parents introducing it to their children. Um, you know, that, so I think it's just about, again, just helping people get a little bit closer to taking those, those, those difficult steps and just feeling a little bit connected. And then on this side of things, I, you know, more than being a performer, more than being a celebrity, I want to be known for writing good songs. Like I, I love song writing. I love storytelling. Um, I love artists like Bob Marley and, and John Lennon and, you know, people that were telling politics, but they were also talking love, and they were talking peace, and you know anthems. You know, you're at a protest, seeing lyrics on on a picket sign. You know, like I want to, I want to be at those moments for people's lives. Um, I want to be somebody's wedding dance, not just you know their mosh pit you know and so it's a confusing line because you do get kind of put in you know the political artist is is like this big you know and so stretching that out a bit and finding ways to not sell out that concept you know I'm still out here fighting that fight as much as I know how um, and trying to amplify the voices of the people that know a lot better than me Um, but also yeah that's what I want to do is just write Write some good songs and and make people feel like uh, a little less alone in in a really fucking scary, confusing world.
0: Well, look, uh, for somebody as 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 young in their career as you are, uh, you know, there's not too many people in your position who are getting phone calls from AWOL Nation and Tom Morello saying, hey, let's work on something. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're definitely on the right road.
2: Dude, not too many people getting calls from miles and Brent, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah? the, the peak of your
0: career right here.
2: <laughs> I'll take it. The ACC.
0: You've made it on Psalm sessions, Let's, Let's right. go. <laughs> but look, I, I want to ask you about, uh, because it's funny, you know, when I was preparing for this, I was looking around at some of your socials and some of the things you're active on and like anything, like we see this with the festival, you know, we'll announce the lineup. And and you'll get 15 people that are like, this is incredible. And then you'll get one person who's like, this is shit, you're garbage, and I hate everything you do. <laughs> and it's it, like me, Brent has to like preemptively tell me you don't want to read these comments because I'll take every single one. Personally, I'll get super amped up for days. And he's just, you know, water off a duck's back. So, you know, as we are in this time where everyone's isolated and everyone's feeling scared and alone and we don't know what to do and everyone's taking to the Internet. You know, how, how do you, I guess it's, you know, it's the buzzword self care, like, when you're writing about and and performing about very divisive topics, how, how do you find your self care? And how do you know when it's time to like, okay, I gotta, you know, walk away from this one? And, Mm. you know, how, how do you how do you manage your own mental health through that struggle?
2: Um, I think for me, one of the biggest things that, um, has helped first off, it just, you you have a plan and then you wake up one day and none of it works. Like I I can develop the best plan in the world for how to take care of my mental, how to not care about some kid in my DM saying, whatever, I, I get all of that. Um, and then some days you just care, you just wake up and you're just pissed off and some, something's lingering. That's no different. On the side of people's headphones, I can assure them of that. If, if you are at home feeling anxious that, you know, grandson's got it all figured out, then let me help burst your bubble a bit. Like we're all struggling with that one and navigating it, especially right now. For me, it really is about discipline. Um, And some, some days I'm better with it. I, I struggle with having an addictive personality. And so sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Other times it's harder, but for me, it's showing up. You know, I start the day doing a little bit of headspace. I do like t- a ten-minute meditation. I, I have a little toolkit. When's the last time I like got a good sweat in? When's the last time I like really busted my body and and really broke down and 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 just focused on the task at hand as it relates to exercise, mental health? For me, I've been writing in journals ever since I started my like you know when I was like twenty. So I've been I've been doing it for a minute now, and uh, I know for some people that. Is uh, a hard thing to develop. Like, how? Who are you writing for? What language are you taking? Are you just making a list of what you got done that day, or is it a little more intimate? And all those things. It's 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 just about sticking with it and and doing it when you're up and when you're down. So, those are the things for me. And family, you know, we all have to figure out our own routines. For me, I have mine, I have a, a little toolkit and everyone's is different, but, but make sure that you have one where if you feel like shit, there's a pretty good chance that you're not doing something, um, that you might need to, you know, take a day off work or, or dedicate your Sunday to just getting back to that, that thing that, you know, makes you feel good sitting with your instrument, you know, writing what, whatever it is. Um, I've got a couple and, and they, they change all the time. Nice.
1: nice. Uh, I've got one more question for you, and and uh, and then uh, we'll throw it back to Miles to to wrap us up today. So, uh, you went to school in Montreal, post secondary uh, education in in, uh, in the amazing city of Montreal. What the heck made you suddenly divert and go? That's it. I'm going to LA. I'm going to be in the music business. How, how did how did that happen?
2: Well, it was a crazy, very serendipitous story. So basically, I went to McGill, transferred to Concordia. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I think that like a lot of kids in Canada, um, we don't really have the – I can't speak to anyone else. I didn't really have the foresight when I got out of high school that I – all right, figure out what you want to do and if you don't know, take some time and go figure it out for me, it was like, let me put off that decision as long as I can by going to college. You know that's the kind of backwards logic we have in North America. I know it's true in America too, where it's even more expensive. Um but I went to went to McGill. Uh, I was studying education. in large part, I, I enjoy working with kids. I you know, I think that there's a little bit of that that's still in my work today, but I just didn't get into any other programs at McGill. Like that I got into education, didn't get into arts or science or any of that. And and I didn't want to go to any other city. My older sisters both went to McGill. I had spent some time at Queens and Western. And I, I was just like, I think Montreal is more my speed. Went out there, had a great time. Um, and was kind of on cruise control as far as figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. I was just that's a later problem, you know. That that's just I'll deal with that one somewhere down the road. As long as I just don't flunk out, my parents will keep you know sending me some beer money and and all that. Um, and I started I, I I signed up for an acapella group. I was actually singing in a in a choir called a Fusion Acapella. I'll give them the plug right now because they're <laughs> still a student run um, like acapella group in Montreal. Uh, and they were doing like cool, you know, Fuji's covers. And I actually, I, am going to say, it. I think they'd be a good sound of music actually booking. Cause they, they're really, <laughs> they're really good with it. But, um, you know, it was like, uh, Lauren Hill and, and Fuji's hip hop, R stuff that I just didn't even know, like was, was done in these spaces. And, uh, I learned a lot about music from that. I was always writing songs, uh, growing up, I came from a musical family and, put a video online because I had started building a little bit of a a reputation around campus from from the acapella group and from DJing house parties. I was, you know, doing the playlist and and doing some 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 DJing. So I started building up a little thing. And a couple of my buddies were like, man, you have like 50 people. It's now or never like this is as big as it's going to get. You know, you've got a house full of kids here. You got to do something. So I put a video on YouTube rapping on on my rooftop like just something i had written with some friends and one of the guys that was my friend at mcgill had been interning at a music blog at a time when that was much more popular when i was in college about 10 years ago which is crazy to think about but like 2011 2012 um you had blogs were a way bigger deal like hype machine was was the thing and, and Facebook pages that had great music that, that was where you were finding your music and so another kid from Austin, Texas was on the right blog the very right day that they put that video up. and his father was some big music manager guy and uh, he liked he clicked it, the link. Liked it, sent it to his dad. They shot me an email three weeks after I had recorded the very first song ever and done it on my rooftop. I get an email from my brand new Gmail account uh, with these guys being like, hey, what's the deal? Sounds good. We'd love to bring you to Los Angeles. And I just was sure that it was a scam. I was like, yeah, I'd never even thought of LA like a real place. You know, you see the palm trees and the Hollywood sign. It's like, yeah, cool. Sounds good, man. I'd, I'd love that too. But they really did. They came through. They, they bought a, a ticket for me and my buddy. Uh, we came out for a week. I was doing a little bit of writing, trying to find my own sound. And for other people, this is 2014. Um, and I just never left. I just never left, and I spent about two years here trying to find what the hell I'm here to do. And those are the questions that I had just avoided my whole life up to that point. You know, what is important to me? Why do I want to do what I do? And and most importantly. You know, you can do everything by the books and still come up short. You can still wake up one day and go, what the fuck was my life even for? So what are you going to do with your time here that that nobody can take from you? And that was where, OK, promoting social justice, promoting like a more progressive state of mind. Those were the the places that I found the power in connecting with people like that. And, uh, it all stemmed from that one email seven years ago.
0: That's Crazy. amazing. Crazy. That's super cool. All right, folks. Well, we have been talking to Jordan Benjamin, better known as grandson death of an Optimus' his debut album available now pretty much everywhere on earth. That music is to be found That's the joys of the age that we live in. Uh, I do highly recommend give it a listen top to bottom, then listen again on random. It's a whole new experience. (laughs) I love it. Uh, he talked about, uh, you've got your Sunday, uh, reoccurring series coming up. You want to tell us a quick plug on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, find me online at grandson, YouTube, grandson, every single Sunday we're hanging out. You can meet some other friends, hang out with us, play some music, talk about politics, state of mind, whatever it is every Sunday, all 2021 death of an optimist is out now and more is on the way. Stay tuned.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. It has been a pleasure. And, uh, you let us know when that Death of an Optimist tour is going out, because uh, we'll, uh, we'll pencil you in
2: there. Let's go, man. Thank you guys again for having me. This has been really fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. We'll talk soon. Great chatting with you. Yeah, really enjoyed it. See you guys. Cheers. Wow. Grandson.
0: That was
1: cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Brent, but the, uh, the 2019 festival,
1: <laughs> I was... Okay, no. Well, yeah, you looked out in the crowd and they were losing their minds. Like, yeah. uh, you
0: know, I, like, I, you know, I, I never I'm, I'm always hesitant to say these types of comments because I don't certainly want to assume or, or, or tell people that you have to be a certain age to be successful. But uh, for such a young guy who started in his career, like his career is still in its infancy. And here he is uh, with such a hit tune that has had half a billion streams and he's got a million followers and you know like i'm personally excited to watch his career and see what's next where does this go because if he's accomplishing this now i don't believe for a second that this is this is it i think the fuse has just been lit Uh, that was cool that was cool
1: yeah really interesting to get a perspective uh you know directly from him on the state of the world and you know as as we talked about some some pretty heavy topics you know yeah. politics and activism and mental health and all of these things and uh he strikes me um for his relative young age and for the big weighty topics that he's taking on he's Pretty grounded guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that was that was cool. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we thank all of you for listening, as always. Uh, we've got some really cool guests coming up. Uh, Terry Clark, also from the 2019 Festival, uh, is going to be joining us. We're, we're dipping our toes more into the country pool. Uh, Terry actually has a radio show as well, uh, I believe, in the United States. So, uh, yeah, we're excited to have Terry joining us. A few other really cool guests coming up. Uh, keep listening, subscribe, follow, share, tell all your friends, uh, you know, uh, grandson just may or may not have said that this is the biggest thing he's ever done in his career. I know that's what I heard. Yeah. So
1: a hundred percent. I heard that too.
0: Yeah. There's, there is no bigger <laughs> than, than some <soft> obsessions. <laughs> uh, we sure do appreciate you listening. That is all the time that we have. My name is Miles and joining me over there in the virtual studio.
1: Hey, Brent, virtually coming at you.
0: There he is. Thank you all so much. Take care. Signing off. See you again real soon.
1: See you soon.